0: assalamu alaikum and what's up guys what it do boo what it do hey what it do boo what it do hey what it do boo what it do hey what it do boo and what it do <laughs> hey y'all it is what it is it's gonna be what it's gonna be okay sarah, sarah. i'm so glad you're here thank you for joining me on this journey into the Podcast history. Yes, I said podcast history, radio history. Okay, I am going to go on this journey with you all, and only because of you all will I go on this journey. (laughs) If that makes any sense, please don't let that go over your head. I am so excited to share a little bit about my own life story, but I'm mostly excited to highlight. And examine and explore the stories of so many people like me and so much unlike me. So please do lock in, listen closely, feel with your heart, with your body, with your soul, and your mind as you are an audience member. And make sure to share, to like and to follow as much as you can oh and don't forget about comments because y'all know y'all are very opinionated too and that is welcome here so without further ado I'm going to stop blabbing and we're going to get into this week's episode where we talk about the beginning my hijab story thank you so much I love you for being here don't forget to share and have a blessed one First time I ever wore hijab, I had to be about age maybe five or six. That's pretty young, I know, right? For a young girl who is nowhere near puberty to be wearing a covering that is supposed to help her become more modest and observe her obligation to God. But it was more practice, I guess, because while the obligation was not yet there the love and the desire to wear it for me personally was. So I embraced that wholeheartedly and my parents encouraged it to the moon and back, right? So wearing hijab was common nature, second nature for me, almost first nature. You know, I never went anywhere without it. I was proud to wear it. I never tried to not wear it Um, unless I was encouraged not to. And we'll get to that a little bit later so hijab started off with the one piece where you have an undercap and it may have designs or embroidery on it and then you pull it over with a basic blank solid um overcap if you will or hijab so it was cut to about your shoulders um and it was pretty cute it was easy to wear you didn't have to wear any safety pins um or stick pins you just hold it on it was sewn up in the front and you were good to go and then it transformed into wearing scarves with the safety pin so you probably had the triangle scarf with the embroidery lace on the end and let me tell you guys if I were to see those hijabs now I would laugh I would die laughing because wow they were a real hot mess but I wore them like yeah I'm fly ain't nobody gonna tell me nothing check me out boo I got silk and lace embroidered together with a little bit of cotton <laughs> but it, it just you know it was the style at the time for the Muslim community anyways that was phase two of the hijab Phase three was when you had the Shayla. So (laughs) the Kimar or the big white Pashmina um, hijabs that are usually made of silk or some very nice material that is very delicate and fine that is when you know you kind of like hit that level of like hijab level three (laughs) you know like in the muslim community you are looked at as like okay okay sis know what she doing like she not new to this she true to this Uh,
1: yes
0: go ahead girl i see you that is that is what the Pashnina is for the black muslim community all right then you level up to now we have jersey, chiffon, satin, uh polyester, what's the what's the other ones? I can't think of all of the different fabrics that we now have cuz we got so many. We got hijab companies, you feel me? We got companies, the veil collection what else we got modanisa who else we got who we got hijab yes okay we got all them now and they all represent so many flavors of muslim women you go from the florals and the prints to the silks and the and the solids you feel me like you got options you have options now where back in the day there wasn't no options (laughs) you got options now so look at god ain't he good to us Anyways, I'm at level four now, I guess, with the materialistic side of hijab, with the fabrics and the fashion and the way it's styled. You know, we got hijab magnets now. We don't gotta stick ourselves in the neck with the safety pins by accident no more. We don't gotta stick ourselves in the head with the stick pins no more. We got undercaps and we have turban wraps and we got scrunchies and we have magnets you guys so check those out if you are a muslim woman looking to improve your style with hijab and your comfort please 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 check out hot hijab um check out modanisa check out i don't know any black owned muslim companies off the top of my head oh hijabi pop yes i do hijabi pop yes that's my dog I have not purchased from her yet, but I intend to check her out. Her clothes are awesome. If you are really trendy and out there and vibrant with your clothing, then you definitely need to get on her Instagram. I will link it somewhere, somehow, some way, or I will just say it in next week's episode. Remind me. Anyways, getting back to what I was saying about the journey of hijab. Hijab is about modesty, yes. That is the common explanation that is given about why Islamic women or Muslim women wear a hijab. But ultimately the purpose is to submit to God because God did explicitly say for women to cover their bosom, throw the, the bottom of their garment, shred it, rip it off and cover themselves at the time where women were very lewd and loose with their clothing and with their behavior. So the commandment came that women were to draw their clothes over themselves. And that also was interpreted eventually by the prophet peace be upon him and his companions to mean that women also should be modest and observe lowering their gaze, so forth and so on. But what is not often talked about nor mentioned on the flip side of that is that while women are supposed to cover themselves from head to toe and loose fabric, um, men also are supposed to lower their gaze and not engage with women that are not their wives or their mothers or sisters or aunties or something like that you feel me so that is the side that is not really talked about but it needs to be because as much as as much as it is an obligation for the woman to cover herself and not try to attract male attention it is upon the men especially the muslim men (laughs) who you know know better to to do the same. So they are supposed to observe their own hijab the same way that we are supposed to as women observe ours. So men actually have a hijab and it is from their navel into their knees so that that thigh area where they're growing is and all that. You're not supposed to be out here in these little skinny jeans and you know, these super tight clothes, but you know to each their own everybody's on their own journey so i wanted to draw attention to that melt piece about hijab because what i find in the muslim community is that the women are always called to be the ones to observe their hijab and we're attacked if a piece of hair is showing or you catch a sister's ankle out a little bit but we never talk about the men who know better as well but they're sliding in these sisters dms they are gawking in the women faces when they're in the masjid or when they're walking to their car from the masjid store steps you feel me so like while we are focusing on the women observing their obligation to god we also need to observe the men and make sure that they are observing their obligation as well anyhow (laughs) Back to this whole experience of being hijabi. So after I placed it on my head and decided that I was going to commit to wearing hijab, I made it through high school, three different high schools. Shout out to MLK, shout out to Clarkston High, and shout out to High. (laughs) forever a general. Um, But those were their own experiences. For many different reasons. I felt the most comfortable at Clarkston because if no one knows about Clarkston, Georgia in Atlanta, like there's nothing but Muslims here and they come from every part of the world you can think of. So the Europeans, you have some different kinds of Asians, um, as well as East Africans, South um, Africans, so forth and so on and so my mom actually put me in that school because she wanted me to be around more muslims but that is not how exactly that worked out anyways i felt the most comfortable there because you know there's strength and numbers but when i got there i realized that some of the girls were not as proud to wear hijab as i was so that automatically made me feel isolated and I didn't feel as if I could connect because while I looked different, different was what made me me. you know? So I went from being proud of being different to being apprehensive about it because of those years in that high school and being around Muslims who are Muslim by culture or by name, but not proud to be muslim at their core at least at the time you know that was over 10 12 years ago for me at the time so anyhow back to my story about how i became hesitant and apprehensive about hijab so going into Shiloh High School, there were even fewer Muslims at Shiloh than there were at Clarkston. So I was definitely out of my element. I was not feeling it. I had Hanan. I had, um oh my goodness, what is my other friend's name? Manal. Manal, yes. Manal. And I had... um what was her name It's oh amira amira my girl yes amira those are the three muslim friends that i had while i was in shallow high school and those girls held me down and made me feel so proud to be a hijab wearing muslim girl in a sea of non-muslim girls <laughs> and boys so um shout out to you three ladies i love you forever and always for that and then I graduated and life happened me and my parents had a falling out I ended up living with my aunt and uncle who are not Muslim and I took off the hijab because for the first time in my life I didn't have to wear it you know no one was expecting me to wear it and no one was encouraging me to wear it no one was praying around me no one was reminding me to pray you know like it was just a whole different ball game so I went from proud hijabi from early early childhood to my adolescence and now as an early early adult I am now questioning what the heck is going on (laughs) so i was like okay yeah i want to show my hair just like all the other girls i want to be normal i want to just be zykea i don't want to have to worry about who knows me for the scarf on my head but not the character and the adab in my heart i want to be known for my heart and my soul and my kindness and my laughter and my joy and my jokes and my vibrancy and my energy and not for what is on my head or on my body and that was where my brain was stuck for at least a year and a half two years like I was just committed to running as far as I could from the hijabi identity that I just took it off and hit the streets (laughs) no let me cut it out I wasn't on those streets Let's, let's clear the air on that. But I definitely um, I stopped practicing Islam the way it is meant to be practiced, for sure. And for that, I will always regret and ask for forgiveness from God. So anyhow, that was one of the more shaky, darker, confusing times of my life from age maybe 18 19 to 20 21 22 like there were so many changes happening about the hijab about my identity as a muslim amongst non-muslims and muslims am i too haram for the muslims and too halal for the non-muslims where do i stand in all of this crazy because while I may do these things that are not considered good I also will not go as far as doing other things as well. So, for example, at the time I was okay with possibly, you know, going out, hanging out in a bar, whereas now, you know, I, will, I won't get a lottery ticket though, you know, I, I never have played the lottery, I've never gambled, I've never um, slept with thy neighbor, you know, not thy neighbor's wife, like, (laughs) there's things that I just haven't crossed the line on, because in my mind, I'm like, well, you know, Islam has major sins, and it has minor sins, and I ain't trying to get too many major, just like I'm not trying to get too many minor, but I definitely want to stay as far away from the major ones as I can, and that was my rationalization at the time was it right did it make sense was it authenticated hell no 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 but that is what i was on so i am proud to say that i am away from that mentality and i have grown um i still do think about my sins and i do ask god to forgive me because of my humanity and for my weakness and my low iman but it's a journey and to be completely authentic with you all it is going to continue to be a struggle for me the rest of my life observing hijab is not always easy for me not because i think i'm the baddest and i want to be out here naked but more of just not feeling safe not feeling secure to practice and be who i am at my core here in this united states of america so that is for many reasons that i can go into for days and days on end and i will save those thoughts and ideas and comments for a different episode but i do want to say that being muslim here in america in atlanta georgia georgia the home of racism you know it's hard it's hard it's very hard and not hard because you're not allowed to practice or worship or observe your hijab but more of you just feel the stares from time to time you feel the the stares and you hear the the comments or the whispers you see the shifty eyes and the grabbing of the children from time to time you just feel it and you see it and you know at this point being a veteran to hijab I would consider myself kind of callous to all of that because I know ultimately my hijab is my crown, but you know, I'm still a human and some days it affects me more than others. So that is a lot (laughs) I feel like there's still so many more things to add to what I just said, but I'm not gonna break you guys' brain just yet. I'm gonna come back and we're gonna dive deeper into my experiences of wearing hijab what it's meant to me when i didn't have it on and what it's meant to me now that i've started wearing it consistently again and what causes that shift and that change so please stay tuned don't touch that button grab you some tea grab you some coffee grab you some snacks it's gonna be a little bit of a long-winded one but we're gonna get through it so stay locked in and i'll be right back Assalamu Hey guys, I hope you stayed tuned. I hope you did not go anywhere. I hope you grab your refreshments and your snacks and you're ready to dive back in. So, I went from being this strong and empowered young Muslim girl who loved wearing hijab to now I'm teetering and tottering because I only had a small, small, small support system in high school and then i graduate and go out into the working world and i don't have to wear it i'm living with my uncle because my parents and i had a difference of opinion let's just put it like that <laughs> and you know that led to me living with my uncle for about a year and a half um i went from his house to college they dropped me off my aunt and uncle and I went to Benedict College so that experience being at an HBCU in the south in South Carolina of all places right where it's still kind of behind the times with race relations and politics and policies and just the feel of it is completely different than even Georgia where I feel like is the home of racism I'm just gonna say that till the day I die because Florida and Georgia got it up and, and toss it up. They, they battle like monkey in the middle. South Carolina is like, hey, what about me? I'm racist too. And Georgia and Florida are like, nah, we got this. We got this. We got this. But South Carolina definitely has its own level, levels and idiosyncrasies that Georgia does not have. So nonetheless, let me dive back into how my hijab came into play in college. So in college I did not wear my hijab for the first year. And the second year I don't think I wore it either. I think maybe one or two times here and there. But it was really junior year where I started to feel a shift in my life and my perspective on Islam and being Muslim. I started to realize that being out here doing whatever, however, with whoever Is not how I want to live my life. It's not how I've ever lived my life up until that point. And I was at my complete lowest when I was not wearing the hijab. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Like, whenever I took the hijab off, life seemed to hit (laughs) the toilet, okay? Go down the drain, gurgle back up, and then go back down. Like, life sucked anytime I took my hijab off for a sustained period of time. And that became a sign to me that maybe I should stop disobeying God and actually adhere and obey (laughs) as a believer should, right? So hard-headed little old me had to wait for God to send me clear signs, right? So this one particular day in, in algebra class, I walk in, I don't have on the hijab, and this one girl who we're not friends, I barely know her, we see each other in passing... And I only know of her because we share that same algebra class. So she was very um, colorful, I'll say. And she had on a purple wig and she has a big build for a woman, very tall, very um, wide bodied. And she was sitting like maybe a seat or two down from me, kind of blocking me in the aisle that or the row that we were on in, in math class. So, I kind of already frustrated about that because I don't like being caved in or locked in anywhere. But what furthers my frustration is she looks to me and she says, Ain't you Muslim? Like, where is your scarf? Like, some days you wear it and some days you don't. Like, make up your mind. Like, what is it going to be? Are you going to wear it or not? I lied to you guys not. This woman, girl, whatever you want to call her, said this to me in front of the whole class of like 45 to 50 students. And of course, instantly all attention was on us because she was loud and she's big and it just made me so uncomfortable and I felt cornered even more than I ever have in my life. So I sat there not really giving her a response because I knew in my mind In my mind, I saw myself getting up (laughs) and cussing her out, but I also saw the reaction that people would have to me doing that. And being that she just called me out for being Muslim and not already wearing my hijab, I did not want to further her stereotypical commentary by lashing out in front of a crowd. So... I took out a piece of paper from my notebook and I scribbled out everything I wanted to say to her. I wanted to cuss her out. I wanted to cuss her grandma out. I wanted to cuss her mama out. I wanted to cuss all her little raggedy ancestors. I wanted to tell her about herself, her weight, her clothing style, her life, her teeth, her everything, right? I wanted to rip her to shreds because I was hurt and I was triggered. But why was I so hurt? I had to take a pause and I had to process why this girl who means nothing to me could get me so worked up about something so personal to me. And it was because what she said had some truth to it. Ultimately, wearing hijab and observing the physical hijab is something that, you know, is not always easy to do, but that is the point of it. It is supposed to be a struggle. You are supposed to struggle to obey and submit to God. It is not supposed to be easy. And up until that point, I had assumed that wearing hijab would always just be easy for me. It was easy as a child. It was even easy as a teen when I had a family and friends to support me and even a community to support me. And then it becomes even harder when I'm alone in a state by myself with no family, with one friend and literally i'm alone so her saying that allowed for me to see from her perspective of an outsider like why that would be crazy where i wear it one day and the next day i don't but on my inside i'm thinking about you know is am i beautiful is is it going to be acceptable for me to wear this I remember distinctly going into my college's cafeteria one day with my hijab on my head as a freshman and I was stopped at the door and was told that I could not enter into the cafeteria and eat my lunch because I had on headgear. And I politely but sternly told them it was not headgear it was a hijab and I was going to wear it because it is my religious right and my so-called American right to do so to practice my religion freely and even though HBCUs like Benedict are known to be backed by a Christian church ultimately I'm still an American citizen and I have the right to practice my religion as I see fit, how I see fit, where I see fit, and my head covering is not coming off so I can go in there and eat your raggedy fried chicken and fried fish. So needless to say, they were telling me that I needed to go get a letter from the imam from my local community that basically solidifies that I am Muslim, that I'm not just wearing this around my head for show and I'm verified now. So I didn't do that. I was like, no, I'm not. I don't have to prove anything to you. And if you want to go any further with it, take it up with God, okay? So walked away, got my food, never heard a thing about it again, but they were calling bonnets and do rags, headgear, and the hijab was the same thing. Absolutely not. So I had a problem with that, but I said them very straight. Do not ever, ever, ever come at me like that again. And my friend Queen actually was there, and she's also from Atlanta, and she's also Muslim, and she also wears a hijab. And so she told them, look, she, we went to the same masjid, we grew up in the same community, she is a Muslim, like, y'all need to chill. So she was my support for most of college, you know? Like, I gained so much um, sisterhood and love and support from her through through those four years because it was gruesome you know the first two years i'm like what the heck is going on i'm new to college life i'm new to south carolina i'm new to everything and then fast forward to the last two years where i'm preparing to enter the career world and the workforce i am having to figure out how to adult without really knowing how to fully yet, and I'm now dealing with an identity, identity crisis where very few people actually understand but so readily judge. So I'm sitting there and I'm mulling through all of my feelings about this girl's attack on me in math class. But I resolve it with, okay, I'm going to wear the hijab and I'm not going to take it off again. Mostly because I don't want to be judged, but also because it is the right thing to do my priority was that i would never feel that small by anyone else ever again and it needed to be mainly on pleasing god and that would would have kept me from taking it back off again maybe a year or so later so fast forward to taking it off again (laughs) well after wearing it consistently and feeling strong and empowered I teetered and I tottered again because I had to find work. I started to see Muslim women being killed um, just for wearing hijab, especially during the month of Ramadan. We were being attacked basically for wearing what God commanded us to wear. So my humanity and my Fear got the best of me and my weakness to want to hide. It, it got to me, you know, I'm going to be real. It got to me and my imagination and anxiety took over and I realized that I was making scenarios up in my head that hadn't happened, at least to me, even though they may have happened to some of my Muslim sisters. Um, may Allah forgive them and make their graves spacious and full of life. I mean, but most importantly, um, I took it off because my nafs, my desires, my own soul was battling with this world and its desires and its temptations from being IG famous to TikTok famous, to YouTube famous, being naked and being very loose and free if you will, is encouraged. And I'm not discouraging it myself. I just feel like I am not myself when I am trying to embrace that, knowing that I did not grow up that way, nor do I feel comfortable exposed that way. So for all of my women who decide to show their bodies and share their goodies with the world, Do your thing, boo. Like, do it. Just be prepared to handle all of the repercussions that come with that. And we know how gruesome and ghetto and cruel this world can be to women who are covered. But that is to the 10th degree when she is not. So I'm going to say that and let you guys live your lives as you may. Because you're beautiful no matter what you wear no matter how you wear it but just remember that we do seek things that are sheltered and covered for a reason it is more pure it is more clean it is more appealing and it's not to say that the women who expose themselves are unclean or impure it's just more of my perspective on myself this is how I view myself. My name literally means pure. So my version of purity and what purity means to me is to go back to your soul's purpose and why you are here as a woman, as a human being, as a as an earthling, <laughs> as, a, as a homo sapien, whatever you consider yourself, what is your purpose? Why are you here? That is purity to me. And I am reminded that most when i am covered because i cannot let my outward physical appearance get me by in life where i can show my boobies and i can show my butt and thighs and hips and 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 my back and i can expose myself in that way and still holler about being smart and being charismatic and being knowledgeable or i can cover and demand and command respect as i should as a woman naturally without having to show a thing you're lucky to even see my hands and my face and my feet which is up for debate as far as modesty goes in islam but anyways i say all of that to say i realize that my relationship with self My relationship with God and my relationship with other people got better when I covered my body and I committed myself to observing full hijab and mind, body, and soul. I didn't have that realization nor conviction when I was underneath the roof of my parents. I felt that I owed them my obedience versus owing it to Allah first. And so I had to shift my mentality and realize that my parents will die someday, whether it's tomorrow, God forbid, God forbid, Allah protect them always, or a hundred years from now, which we know is probably highly unlikely considering they're already in their forties and fifties. But, um, you know, I just feel like I couldn't have gained that insight unless I had left home, left the state and, and indulged in all the things that I shouldn't have indulged in but needed to indulge in to get to this conviction. I took the hijab back off and I put it back on as of this Ramadan, this 2020 Ramadan was when I decided I'm not going to take my hijab off again. I'm not going to allow for the whispers of the shaitan, the whispers of the devil to get to me. I say no to that lifestyle, I say no to his waswas, his whispers, I say no to the whispers and the desires of my own flesh every day when I put that hijab on. That is what hijab is for me. It is a reminder that every day that I put this hijab on and I secure it with my hijab magnet, I am fulfilling my obligation to the most high and only he can reward me for my efforts and my jihad and my struggle with this piece of fabric that I put around my body every day. Only he knows how hard it is to be me in this country, in this city, dressed the way I am, trying my best to be modest, trying my best to be soft, trying my best to be kind, trying my best to be of good character. That is something that only he truly can know. So why should I worry about what anyone else thinks or thinks they know? I decided that this past Ramadan that I would never, ever, ever go back to you know, the lifestyle that I was living before I was staying with a man that I was not married to. And that caused me to make one of the worst decisions of my entire life. And for reasons that I cannot go into detail about, I made a bad choice. I picked the wrong man, I made the bad choice, and it it cost me severely. It cost me mentally, spiritually, financially. I lost everything with that relationship and it showed me truly that the mercy of Allah is that he will never, ever, ever truly leave you if you never truly leave him. And I will be honest with you. In the weeks leading up to the incident that broke me and said person apart, <laughs> I will not mention his name because he does not deserve the clout. Um, but that person and I... We decided to go our separate ways. We were not good for each other and we were not happy together and individually. So that is exactly around the time when the pandemic and the stay-at-home orders started. So we ended up having to lock in and try to figure it out. And one thing led to another and it just got worse. So we had to split forcibly. Um, I actually had to go to jail for four days because of that incident, and I am still having to clear a lot of that up. So that entire incident reminded me of Allah's mercy because while I was in that jail, I lied to you not. While I was on Rice Street, if anybody knows anything about Rice Street in Atlanta, Georgia, Fulton County... Police department on Rice Street is one of the worst jails, prisons, whatever you want to call it, detention centers, correctional facilities that you can go to in Georgia. And it was horrible. I never thought I'd see the inside of a jail. I was not allowed, obviously, to wear hijab while I was in there. And yet, and still, I was reminded of Allah even in the pit even in the belly of the beast as my mom loves to say like even in the belly of the beast I still was able to get my hands on a Quran like one of the inmates actually gave me a Quran and she was like a light for me because I felt like I was going to literally lose my mind I didn't know who I was anymore I didn't know how I even ended up inside of a jail cell in the middle of a pandemic, I didn't know how I was going to get out of it. I didn't know really how I got into it. <laughs> In the long run, um, looking back on it, I, I still am amazed at all that I went through. And it changed me for the better. Because while I was frustrated and broke and scared and anxious and traumatized, when I got out, I became stronger and I had to make some really harsh and hard decisions for myself in order to get past it and realize that Allah was giving me another opportunity to worship him and obey him while I still had life in me because he did not leave me even when I left him. So that experience in that jail and going through all of that and still being reminded that Allah is near it, it showed me that if I don't submit in the middle of a pandemic, if I don't prostrate and lower myself and hum- humble myself to the most high, then I will forever regret it. My soul will be forever condemned for it. And I needed to get my ish together really quickly because I may not have another chance. So when Ramadan came, um, as it approached, I knew that something major was going to happen for me and I needed it to happen in order to become who I was meant to become but I just didn't know how and so when that incident with me going to jail for those four days and being cut off from the world for those four days and only relying and having Allah like truly it reignited the fire and the passion for my hijab and for Islam and for The way and the lifestyle of a Muslim, it really reignited that for me because I was lost and I was wandering and I was hopeless until I saw what I could become. And I chose not to become it because Allah chose not to forget me as I chose not to forget him. And to those of you who are listening that may not be religious, that may not even be Muslim, that may not even really believe in a higher power, I'm telling you, my life story is literally nothing but a testament to what happens when you give over everything to God. So you will learn through my own story and the stories that I share on this podcast that My love for God and my relationship with him is all that really matters to me. And he has actualized himself in my life several times, too many times for me to deny his existence. So I will always speak with complete conviction about him and my relationship with him because he has never left me. Not when I was broken down crying, not when I was called a terrorist in the grocery store or in my own high school, not when a bus driver threatened me and said she wanted to punch me in my face in my own college where I pay to go to school. He's never left me in the worst times of my life, and he's never left me in the best. So, my hijab is a constant reminder to fight and to stay true to him because he will always stay true to me. He will run to me if I walk to him. If I crawl to him, he will walk to me. As long as I never let him go, he will always be there and he has proven himself so. So. My hijab story is unlike any other hijab story that you may have heard, that you may have seen. I have saw a few of them on YouTube these last couple of years as hijabi YouTubers became very powerful and knowledgeable and exposed. I was very proud and happy to see so many women share their hijab story and tell it with so much dignity and pride and grace. Um, But none of their stories were similar to mine because none of them had the experience that I have, you know, as far as being a black American Muslim woman. So my hijab story is unique to me. My grandfather, um, who is Muslim, actually started out as a part of the nation of Islam. And then once he found that the sunnah of the Prophet, peace be upon him, was the true way then he changed and he um evolved but i come from a line of people who have fought for muslims to have a place in this country and it is very disrespectful and disheartening to see the non-black muslims come to our country as americans and tell black muslims that we are not real Muslims or we are not the chosen ones when we have fought for everyone, including them, to have equal rights and civil rights and freedom to practice said religion in this country. So I'm gonna hop off my soapbox and let that be the end of this episode, but I wanted to shine some light on the fact that black Muslims do not get enough credit and recognition for their civil rights and their fight for civil rights in this country. We have the right to practice and worship the same way non-Black Muslims and non-Muslims have the right to practice and worship. We are here. We're not going anywhere. Our hijab is our crown. We are literal royalty. We came into this world as strangers and we will leave this world as strangers we are strange to you all we are not normal to those of us that feel down about being strange or being an outsider or being left out or not fitting in let me tell you honey from my mouth to your ears you were not made to fit in You were ordained by the Most High, the Most Gracious, and the Most Merciful to be different. Your difference is powerful. Your voice is needed. Your hijab is beautiful and it matters and don't let this world these white men these white women and anyone who has anything negative to say any about islam don't let them get to you wear your hijab with pride if you are a muslim woman and if you are not muslim I suggest you change that and check out islam because it is a perfect lifestyle it tells you about everything from how to inherit property and money from your ancestors to how to get married to how to eat food and clean your body it is a very detailed very disciplined and very precise religion but it is very perfect however muslims are not so that is my disclaimer for this first episode of not the norm I'm going to dive deeper into more topics like this and i hope you guys can stay along for the journey and the ride i appreciate you if you have listened up until this point and have stuck it out through my soapbox (laughs) moments and my singing and my beat making and my crazy noises if you have survived all of that and have made it to the end of this episode you are amazing i want you to remember whether you are muslim or non-muslim that you matter that you belong, that your identities, whether you are biracial, whether you are straight, whether you are woman, whether you are black, whether you are white, you matter. Be kind in this world. Share your light with this world and work on the darkness inside of you so that this world could be a better place so that people like myself who have all these different labels feel better about sharing this planet with you. We can do it if we work together. I believe in you. I believe in me. And most importantly, I believe in God. I wish you all well until the next episode. Stay safe. Stay fun. Stay enlightened. Stay woke. And stay tuned. Take care and I love you all for listening. Bye. We did it guys we made it through episode one of not the norm i never thought i'd see the day where i actually made an entire episode to release to the public but I did and I hope you guys gained something insightful and enlightening from it. I am so overjoyed that you stuck it out with me and my only hope is that you continue to come back. So in the meantime, until next week's episode, follow me on IG at unapologetically underscore Ziggy and That's Z-I-G-G-Y, Ziggy, like Ziggy Marley. And you can follow me on Twitter at TweetyNerd94. Yeah, I don't know. Don't ask. (laughs) So that is all for now. Come back next week to check out our episode about mispronunciations, misspellings, nicknames, and microaggressions in the Black Muslim community. Thank you so much for staying tuned. I wish you all well this week and stay COVID-19 free. I love you all and until next time. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa